It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The World in 10, your daily update on the biggest stories from around the world as seen through the eyes of the Times of London. I'm Sonal Patel. Coming up, how the Idaho murders became an internet obsession and the British Prime Minister's high-stakes gamble to get Brexit done and the US on side. But first, I want to talk about Ukraine. Not the battles necessarily, not who's winning or where it's going or even when it's going to end, but the real cost of this war, the people. And on the front page of the Sunday Times is a piece by Christina Lamb, the chief foreign correspondent who's reporting from Kyiv. And it's an analysis of what's happened in the first year of war and Ukraine's reluctance to reveal just how many of its people have died. Wars in recent years in Iraq and Afghanistan, we have always had figures uh, from the forces of, of how many they've lost. So here it is just a complete secret. If you ask them, they literally say it's a secret. An open secret. We all know the cost is high. When you look at the photographs that accompany the piece, there's one that really stands out, showing a vast field of graves shrouded in the blue and yellow of Ukraine's flag. And Christina suggests part of the reason for this secrecy is that people know that they're in this for the long haul. There's no real end in sight for this war. Yet the war machine needs people to join. Join what's called the Rage Brigade, where Ukrainians are urged to turn their anger into a weapon. They need people like Katerina, who Christina spoke to. She tried to enlist a year ago and was turned down. Katerina didn't give her last name. Why? Well, because she hadn't told her mum she'd signed up to fight. She was a, a single woman in her mid-30s who had been working in PR and she told me that actually she'd been trying to join up for ages, but it's quite difficult as a woman. So she'd actually sort of gone away and done first aid courses, trauma courses and things to make herself a better candidate. Not a day goes by without Ukraine being mentioned. But here's a detail I didn't know until I read Christina's article that several times a month, Russia and Ukraine swap dead soldiers along the front line. The mind boggles at the grim reality of that. It's why young men are freezing their sperm before heading to the front lines so they can father children, even if they're killed in battle. The fear is that the longer the war continues, the more it favours the Russians. 
Brexit has dominated the news agenda in Britain since 2016. And yes, if I'm being honest, as a journalist in the UK, there were times when I thought, will I ever talk about anything else ever again? Then there was the COVID pandemic. So be careful what you wish for. Now four prime ministers on, Rishi Sunak is taking the biggest gamble of his political career, trying to clear up the mess. And he's got one eye on appeasing the Americans. Times Radio's Jenny Bosby is here with the unenviable task of making sense of all this. Jenny, what exactly is he going to sort out? There's a lot there. Oh yes, the route to sorting out Brexit is littered with political skeletons of those who have tried and failed. The bit that's caused the biggest headache is what to do about Northern Ireland. So, Sonal, before Brexit, it was easy to transport goods across the border because both sides were following EU rules. After Brexit, special trading arrangements were needed because Northern Ireland has a land border with the Republic, which is still a part of the EU. I hope you're actually following all of this. Yeah, just about. Jokes aside, though, this is a really sensitive issue because of Northern Ireland's troubled history. Absolutely. It was feared that border posts as part of these trade checks could lead to instability. It touched on issues of sovereignty and identity. I mean, let's be honest, debates about checks on British sausages and VAT rules in a small corner of the UK are a bit of a turn-off for most voters, if they even think about them at all, of course. Now, Rishi Sunak thinks he can solve this. Here's the Times political commentator Tim Shipman on his morning with the Prime Minister. I mean, he was banging his desk and saying, I'm here all weekend, I'm, you know, doing all I can. You know, Number 10 have been pretty coy about what state this deal is in, but they wouldn't be calling us in to talk about it uh, for the first time unless um, he was reasonably confident that this was going to be done uh, quite soon. The problem he's got is that the DUP are upset about the way this has all been handled. It's a gamble with all this. Obviously, he is doing this because he feels it's right, but there is more. Always more. Firstly, if a deal is agreed, France may be more inclined to help with the migrant issue, but also it is a way to appease the United States. Washington has always warned that continuing arguments over Northern Ireland risk inflaming tensions. Rishi Sunak hopes the US President Joe Biden, who speaks with pride, of course, of his Irish heritage, will attend events in Belfast this year to mark the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement, which ended decades of conflict in the region. Many thanks to Jenny for that. Now, we all love mysteries, trying to figure out what happened, a classic whodunit, which is fine when it comes to fiction, but when it impinges on real life and real people, it can be a massive problem. It's something the Sunday Times' Ellie Austin's been investigating. She's been spending time in Moscow, Idaho, in the United States, where four students in their early 20s, Zana Knodel and her boyfriend Ethan Chapin, and best friends Madison Mogan and Kaylee Gonsalves, were stabbed to death by a masked man who broke into the house while they were sleeping. Everything still feels very difficult, understandably. We're trying to move on after two months. University clubs and societies and events are more or less back to normal. But obviously, everyone is still really struggling with the psychological impact of what happened in November when those four students were killed. So two months on, a suspect, Brian Koberger, is in custody and things are just about getting back to normal, just about. Ellie paints a picture, though, of a town still reeling from the national and international exposure this tragedy brought. The vast majority of people did not want to talk, and um, by that I mean both students and staff from the university, and I, I understood that. They'd had 
journalists all over the town since November. And um, one student told me how, you know, she would be going to her 8am lectures and there would be TV crews trying to stop students in the street, trying to get them to talk as they were going into their classes. And in that six to seven week period before the arrest, there was ostensibly no progress being made by police. Of course, we now know they were indeed following leads and actually quite ahead in the investigation. But this period created a vacuum, a vacuum that was filled by amateur sleuths on social media, TikTokers spouting a lot of speculation. That caused a lot of emotional harm to the students who were still on campus because one girl said, you know, you would be in class one day and your best friend would suddenly have become subject subject of suspicion. And it reminds me a lot of the Nicola Bully case here in England. She was a mum out walking her dog who seemingly vanished off the face of the earth. And for weeks there was little progress until her body was finally found. That absence of information, though, created this obsessive social media interest. At one point, stories on Nicola Bully were getting hundreds of thousands of hits and countless TikTok reels with absurd theories. In the Idaho case, though, that speculation has not stopped, despite there being a suspect in custody. There's one Facebook group that has over 200,000 members, which discuss the murders on an almost hourly basis. This case and others like it, though, show that these very human tragedies have almost become a source of entertainment. So look, confession time. Boxing has never been my thing. And I'm in no doubt I'm in the absolute minority on this. The sport, though, is big business. And with the money involved, it's no wonder it's filled with big, big personalities. So to Saudi Arabia, where in a few hours, millions of people are expected to tune into a boxing match between two fighters who, let's be honest, are better known for their social media than their boxing skills. Tommy Fury is the younger brother of the world heavyweight champion Tyson Fury, but he's more famous for being on reality TV. His opponent, Jake Paul, is a YouTuber with 64 million followers. Here are the two men speaking ahead of the match. Tommy Fury first. Just because he's got 22 million followers on Instagram, that doesn't make it a 50-50 fight. I'm excited. I'm excited to, to troll this kid and to have fun and to make uh, this promotion entertaining. And staying with boxing or something like that, have a look at Tom Kershaw's article on this man. And now, ladies and gentlemen, pretty boy, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, this is less about the sport, which by all accounts for an exhibition tour is fairly average. Um, it's more about Mayweather and his bling and how he spends his money and his entourage and his diamond necklace. I could go on. I won't, though. And that's all from me today. Thank you for listening. 